Hello, listeners. This is Adrian Ibarra, and I'm introducing the first podcast from the Student Center for African Research and Resolutions. Thank you to WRGW District Radio and the general manager, Jordan Groby, for using their studio. Um, our panel today is going to talk about Nigeria and the problems and prospects that the country is facing. Uh, for today's panel, there is going to be Alan Baderka, who is a GWU student uh, for religion. There's Mandela Laughlin, who also goes to George Washington University. He's the vice president of SCAR, and he also um, studies religion and government. There's John Lindsay, also a student of George Washington University with international development and organization. Austin Harrison, who goes to Howard University and is focusing on economics. And Nicholas Jansler, who is at the Institute of World Politics and is studying national security. Nick, um, as the head of the scholarship within SCAR, can you please tell me why Nigeria was picked as a topic, please? Oh, yeah, of course. And you have to understand that Nigeria is an important actor, both regional as international, which John Lindsay is going to talk about later. But besides being that, Nigeria is also listed as an economic powerhouse. Annual growth rate has been around 7%. But besides that, Nigeria is also struggling with a high unemployment rate of 23.4%, massive corruption, lack of transparency, and the rise of Boko Haram. So Nigeria is going through a development for the good and for the worse. And for that reason, we chose to pick Nigeria as the uh, topic of the month. Awesome. Thank you. Now, um, what I understand is that Boko Haram has become a major factor within the country. And it's disrupting and causing a lot of volatility within the, within the nation and the countryside. Alan, can you please um, go into why Boko Haram is doing all these attacks and uh, is causing so much volatility within the country? I understand that you're looking at it from a religious uh, perspective. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah, so looking at Boko Haram, the first thing to understand is their motivations. Boko Haram literally means Western education is sin. It's an organization that ascribes to the Wahhabist Islamic sect, which is a Sunni, which is a sect of Sunni Islam. The majority of Nigerian Muslims are Sunni, uh, practice Sunni, Sunni Islam with 85%. Um, then 12% of Nigerian Muslims practice Shia Islam, and a smaller minority of 3% practice the Ahmadi sect. Boko Haram's main goals are to replace the secular legal structure of Nigeria with Sharia law, as well as to reduce what they perceive as the encroachment of Western values into Nigerian education. What's interesting about Nigeria's religious demographics is that it's actually a great representation of Africa as a whole. Africa is divided religiously along geographic lines, where the majority of people in Northern Africa tend to ascribe to Islam, while the majority of Southern Africans tend to ascribe to the major uh, to Christianity. What's interesting about Nigeria is that this is perfectly reflected within their own cultural geography, with the vast majority of Muslims, 48.8% of the entire population, residing in the north, and 49.3% of the population being Christian, residing in the south. What's also interesting about Nigeria is the importance religion plays in the roles of the people, um, particularly with emphasis on people's individual perceptions 
questions of religion. 87% of Nigerians say that religion plays a very important part of their lives. Comparatively, only 57% of Americans would say that religion is very important in their lives. It's also um, interesting that 38% of Nigerian Christians tend to see Muslims as violent, whereas only 13% of Nigerian Muslims tend to see Christians as violent. So there's definitely a degree of disparity there as to the perceptions amongst Nigerians of the two faiths. Um, one thing that the majority of Muslim, uh, Nigerians agree on, excuse me, is that 58% say that religious conflict is a major concern for them. Um, What's also fascinating to note about Boko Haram and their goals is that what they're actually attempting to achieve doesn't represent a minority opinion in Nigeria. 70% of Nigerian Christians say that biblical law should be the law of the land, and 71% of Nigerian Muslims favor making Sharia law the law of the land. I should also mention that all of my statistics are coming from a 2010 Pew Research Forum, which is available online. Wow, okay. Thank you. Um, it seems that religion takes a, a huge part within the conflicts in the country. And with people with religious backings, we know that the military is going to have a very difficult time combating most of these insurgencies. Uh, Mandela, can you please give us an outline and the uh, steps the Nigerian military are taking toward combating Boko Haram within the countryside? So, uh, as I was looking at the Nigerian military uh, during the Nigerian month, I saw that the first steps with the Nigerian military was that they were ha causing casualties among the Nigerian people. And the issue with it is that they're not being better trained or have the ability to have any real leadership in real leadership in the military realm. And so when I went into the conclusion and, and and innovation for the article was that we should stress that U.S. military advisement should be the important crux of what the Nigerian military needs to do in order to become better prepared and better armed against the uh, Boko Haram forces and stress the fact that they need an arms deal uh, with the United States in getting weapons and, and things of that nature that have the technological advances that Boko Haram has. So that was really the strength of what we viewed in the military realm of Boko Haram. Wow, okay. So you're saying that the military is, is understaffed, undertrained, and under underarmed to uh, to deal with Boko Haram at the moment. Yes, they are. They, they don't have any... When they look at other forces, they don't have any understanding of what they need to do or what they have to uh, combat or and do in those in situations. So the U.S. military, uh, as of currently in, in recent news, they're going in with their special forces and training these, well, you know, Nigerian military to understand that when you go into a hostile area, you need to understand the current situation, who you're attacking, you know, who the civilians are and who the targets are. And so with that understanding, uh, Nigerian military should be able to attack Boko Haram in the right places in northern Nigeria. Oh, definitely. And I, and I feel like Boko Haram is um, not just taking this religious aspect as an advantage. They're also taking the economic aspects. And uh, Nicholas, I would like you to expand on the economics within Nigeria and um, why, why Boko Haram is, is gaining so much leeway within it. 
Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, as far as we can see, that uh, foreign director investment FDI plays a crucial role in the high growth in Nigeria. As a study shows, there's a high dependency ratio between FDI, the Nigerian oil sector, and gross domestic product. So, a one unit of FDI increase in the oil sector will increase the GDP by 15 to 16 percent. But as a result of Boko Haram's activities, FDI has declined. FDI has declined 21.3% in 2012, uh, from 8.9 billion to 5.5 billion. So we have to be aware of that foreign uh, investor will not invest capital in an environment of fear and anarchy of insecurity, which may contribute to the development of Boko Haram. Well, that's the more or less the microeconomic consequences. Let's also look at the microeconomic consequences. So, in addition to the devastating microeconomic consequences of the action of Boko Haram, the terrorist organization has also clear microeconomic effects on Nigeria, especially in the northern part. The uh, Boko Haram has often attacked soft targets, so, uh, which has led to closure and abandonment of businesses. So, it has a strong negative effect on pr- uh, smaller private entrepreneurs, forcing them to close and lay off workers. This is alarming because, uh, as explained earlier in this uh, po- uh, in this show, Nigeria has a starting a high unemployment rate of 23.9%, which uh, continues to rise despite the high level of FDI and economic growth. And if the uh, unemployment is able to rise, there's also a bigger chance that people will attempt to join Boko Haram in order to gain some kind of security uh, in this kind of environment. Okay, now... With these economic increase and the economic decrease, I understand that there's large inequality within the country, and uh, this is not just due to money going to the south. I understand that in the north, they're having problems agriculturally that doesn't allow them to uh, prosper or find, you know, economic security. Austin, can you please go into uh, what is happening within the north that's destabilizing and causing a lot of strife? Yes, desertification is not one, just one of an environmental issue. It's also a socioeconomic issue. Forty percent of the land in northern Nigeria, we're including the northern and eleven states of Nigeria, in that <coughs> are already facing desertification. And fifty to seventy-five percent of the land in total is, is accessible is can't face it altogether. With desertification, such as overcultivation of the land by the farmers in the area, overgrazing by the livestock in the area, can exasperate the desertification, which it will incur naturally in nature, but when one is over-cultivating or over-grazing and degrading the land, desertification is only exasperated. With desertification, 50 million people are, are being faced, is facing 50 million people, and in the 11 northern states alone, they're losing almost $5 billion annually, and with that, there's less resources in the north, which is causing, which is, which is, which is making which is causing migration to the south, which is also struggling with sustainable methods of resources. Okay. So despite all the recent violence and problems within the north, agriculturally, economically, how has Nigeria remained such a powerful actor within sub-Saharan Africa? Um, John, can you please expand on this? So Nigeria has remained a pretty powerful economic and political actor through their position on ECOWAS, which is the Economic Community of West African States, um, which comprises uh, Nigeria and several other states in the region who 
came together to form a community, an economic community for mutual support, the lowering of tariffs, import export issues, things like that, um, but has since kind of expanded from beyond the central economic problems to more broader political ones and including regional stability issues. Um, Nigeria successfully led a very, very well-orchestrated um, stabilization in Mali after the civil war that occurred there several years ago um, and, in fact, supplanted the uh, kind of the notion that the AU, the African Union, was who was supposed to direct those kinds of initiatives and instead decided that ECOWAS should take the initiative themselves, seeing that AU, the AU was kind of uh, putzing around, you could say. Um, and in doing so, they found they showed the ability of regional economic areas to kind of act as independent actors. And Nigeria, having the more the most votes in the parliament of ECOWAS, has proven itself to be a leader amongst these independent actors. In addition to this to this political um, and uh, regional stabilization uh, solution they came up with, they've also been leading the initiative called the ECO Initiative, where them and five other states are proposing possibly at, by as early as the start of next year disbanding their own currencies and creating a common currency which would influence um, lower which would influence more foreign direct invest, investment from uh, western states into nations such as Niger, Liberia and the Cape Verde Islands. This form of foreign direct investment would only really be capable with the kind of economic stability that Nigeria has been having thanks to its oil reserves. And Nigeria has, has seen the eco-currency as an opportunity to bring that stability and that economic growth that it's been um, enjoying for the last decade, almost two decades now, to its um, regional economic neighbors, which it sees as both good for itself, but also good for Nigeria because it will help bring unemployment down as there will be fewer and fewer migrant workers coming. Um, and also it will help improve the economics of the entire region, which just has great spillover effects for Nigeria and other Western African states. So it's through its position on um, ECOWAS, Nigeria has really proven itself to not only be a leader in West Africa, but in a leader in Africa in general. Uh, it has a faster growing GDP than South Africa does. Um, it is going to it probably will by the time by the end of this decade be at a much stronger uh, economic position than any other African state now that Egypt is in such turmoil and it's important to also recognize that Nigeria is bringing other countries along with it and it's good that we celebrate those successes that we point out that Nigeria is making sure that other nations get a get a piece of the pie as well um, so it's good luck Jonathan has has had very many a great many problems um, as a president, but I think his leadership, the leadership he has demonstrated um, as a representative to ECOWAS is something that has shown to both um, the Nigerian people and also the West African region as a whole. Thank you, John. And it seems like Nigeria, despite its problems and the insecurity and the instability that's happening within the region, are still able to take a grasp and lead the other na African nations and still develop themselves. Um, this concludes the Nigerian panel on SCAR. And I'd like to thank all the panelists for their articles and their insights of the problems and prospects within Nigeria. I'd also like to rethink the WRGW District Radio and the General Manager, Jordan Groby, for the use of the studio. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, please look us up at www.scardc.org and look us up on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear your comments and see if you'd like to uh, hear more of the podcast. Thank you very much.